Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about Music Masters Collective, a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. These events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like the Fab Faux, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, John Schofield, Nels Klein, the Milk Carton Kids, and many more. This June, join The Wait Band, featuring members of the band and the Levon Helm Band with special guests including Jimmy Vivino, Bob Margolin, Lost Leaders, Chris O'Leary, Cindy Cashdollar, Stony Creek Band, Rob Fraboni, Larry Packer, and so many more at Camp Cripple Creek. This all-inclusive music vacation in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York promises to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience featuring performances, workshops, jams, comfortable lodging, and superb dining. Visit CampCrippleCreek.com slash Undermine to register today. That's CampCrippleCreek.com slash Undermine. Osiris. Welcome to Undermine Presents We've Got a Band, Episode 1, sponsored by Section 119. The podcast where fish fans talk to fish fans who have their own fans. This week on the pod, we have Chris Witoski. You know him from Hulu's The Bear. He's the creator of Netflix's Chicago Party Ant. And he's also the guy who's turning into his parents in those insurance commercials. You know the ones. We talk about getting Cali sober, doing devil stick routines in high school, collective effervescence at fish shows, and even the infamous Second City Herpoo at Northerly Island. James, I gotta say, don't don't defame me like that. It was middle school that we did the devil sticks. <laughs> well, I was doing it in high school, which is either sadder <laughs> or uh, a little less sad, but... I'm not gonna say which one, but you know which one. <laughs> we will get into that and all more this week on We've Got a Band from Osiris Media. Sponsored by Section 119. All right. Welcome to the podcast. As a fish fan, how did you get into the band? Wow. Um, I got into... Whose fault was it? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I got into fish in middle school, and I think it was like just... 
this band that I kept hearing about. And then I, I vividly remember a, a live one uh, being like the first album that I bought and playing that on repeat. And I remember looking through the like liner notes and being very curious about these guys. And then I remember I started doing research and then my first show was in 1997 and, um, seeing that show, seeing them live, that was what really like sold me. And then I was just hooked. Mm -hmm. How how old were you in 97 that, and, and where in the country were you? Like, were you still in middle school at that point or were you like in high school? It might've been late. It might've been like eighth grade, maybe early high school, but I was in Chicago. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and it was at um, the World Music Theater in Tinley Park, Illinois. And I remember they Classic. played the first song I ever heard live was Cars, Trucks, Buses. And then they, I remember they played the Lizards at that show and they played Loving Cup at that show. Um, and I think it was it was really that part in the Lizards where it's that like beautiful melody of like, da na 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 na. I remember that specifically being like, holy shit, this is like so cool. And um, I, so I think that was like the moment where I was like, oh, this is my, I love this band. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. 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 And, and so when you got a live one, was that something you just like picked up on your own? Had someone recommended it? Maybe like a friend's older brother had recommended it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember exactly, but I remember that was the first and then hoist came really quickly after that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, it was those two that really, I pl- was just playing on repeat in my little boom box, uh, CD player. Yeah. Was, was there like a fish community, like a, like were, were your friends fans or was this kind of like your own personal exploration? Yeah. yeah I remember there was, it, they were huge in, um, my middle school and high school, like I, <laughs> I have vivid memories of like hacky sack was really big and like <laughs> those fucking <laughs> devil sticks, you know, were really uh-huh. big. And then like yeah. hemp, hemp jewelry was a big thing. And then, and fish was all kind of tied in with that. And like, I remember we would go to this like forest preserve, um, it was it was called it was called Leroy Leroy Oaks was the name of the forest preserve, but we called it Leroy Tokes. And we would go there, <laughs> we would go there after school, and like people would smoke pot and play frisbee, and we would always have fish playing out of somebody's car. You know, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I have to tell you the wave of like embarrassment. I totally forgot about devil sticks. I loved those things. Remember? I thought I was I thought I was going to nationals with that. I had like a routine. It was Get not the my fuck finest out. moment. <laughs> wow, I totally blocked that part of my childhood out. <laughs> so so it sounds it sounds like you grew up in like a pretty cool was that like a small group of like misfits that you were hanging around with in eighth grade, or was it like you just happened to be in like a cool grade in a cool place that like everyone just kind of got it and was chill for yeah you know i look back and like uh, my i I grew up with um, the the town i grew up in was very like chill and like it was very kind of party centric like it was a lot of like going to people's houses having campfires and drinking and smoking pot (laughs) 
um, there was a, there were a lot of like fish fans. I remember, I think it was like this sweet spot where like, it was cool to be that way. And, um, but like, I remember <laughs> probably saying too much, but like, I remember smoking pot before school all the time, like on the way to school, <laughs> like clam baking a car, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so oh yeah oh my god eighth, eighth grade or like, like or early we in high school, high school yeah yeah but yeah. <laughs> i remember like getting driven to school in like an, a, a chevy blazer and you like roll the windows up and and smoke pot <laughs> and listen to fish and yeah it was kind of like the cool it was the cool group <laughs> yeah that is cool. I do have to tell you, I was picturing your parents driving you to school and you just like hop off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, I had a lot of friends who were into them and it was, but it was, it was also like, um, the band rusted root. If you remember them and the band mm-hmm. Mo yep. and string cheese incident and yeah, <laughs> all those like- like yeah, Jeff man. And high. Like you, you could have a whole Disney series <laughs> on this shit. I, I, yeah, go ahead. You say, oh, I was just gonna say I only know one Rusted Root song, and it's because of the iconic Matilda scene. Send me, Anyone send me on my way. Where is that? Yes, yes. So I saw yeah. Rusted Root open for Santana, and um, and I was in the. We bought like really good seats. We were like in the second row, and I remember that was a big, a big night for me. But I like um, I was a huge concert guy all through high school. It was like kind of my thing. Like whenever there were cool bands coming to town, I was going. And I still have my ticket collection. I have like this giant book of ticket stubs, uh, and that was something that my dad and I bonded over. You know, my dad was like very much a classic rock guy, so he wasn't like really Grateful Dead or um, like the hippie bands, but he was very much got me started early on Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and like uh, more obscure, like Jethro Tull and Emerson Lake and Palmer and these kind of bands. Like, yeah, those were big for me. Mm-hmm. I, I- I, I have a theory that if you grew up in a house with Emerson Lake and Palmer, the jump to fish is <laughs> right? I, I also no pro, like totally just it used to scare the shit out of me. It it's is. like scary it is. prog rock, but like <laughs> I it, it got me hooked. I, I that's my so funny. You know, another one was Genesis. Genesis awesome was another one, and I know that like oh yeah, Fish inducted yep. Genesis into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. with good reason. There are some great photos from that night, by the way, all the backstage shots of Trey at that I know ceremony. that I remember it because Fishman was not wearing a dress. He was wearing like a shirt and tie. Mm-hmm. And Kid Rock was there, I believe. Like it was just a fantastic <laughs> assortment of characters. Oh, <laughs> I want to hear your guys' backstory about how you got into Fish. But go, so yeah, give me the like, abbreviated version, both of you guys. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Gabby. Oh, uh, so right. I, you know, I came into it, I think a typical way I was a grateful dad, almond brothers girl, got to college, met a boy. He told me about this amazing band fish. I was like, eh, it's not as good as the dead. I don't know. Went to a show. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Went to three more shows, fell in love. And 50 shows later, wow. here I am. Love I can't that. stop going. My, my story is really weird. I, so my when I should have gotten into fish, like in high school, oh, right. they were broken up. 
And so my first exposure to the band fish was actually through the ice cream when I was in elementary school. Like fish food was my favorite play, favorite. Would eat it after school every day. Didn't associate it with a band, just thought it was sick ice cream. And then uh, if obviously oh, you remember yeah. Napster, uh, I was one of those kids who loved Napster. I downloaded everything I could get my hands on. Uh, I never got the gin and juice <laughs> that most people downloaded off of Napster. That was my uh, erroneously, first fish song. <laughs> mm-hmm, erroneously credited to fish. Um, but uh, I had a tab song. Uh, there was a, oh, a yeah. push on till the day was just a random bootleg that I had on my iPod for years and years and years and years. And I like kind of liked it, but never got into it. it. It wasn't until the band got back together in 2009 that a coworker uh, had an extra ticket to their first show back at the garden. Oh, nice. Uh, I think in December 2009 or something like that. And she was like, just you like music. You, you, you have an open mind. You, like yeah, party, yeah. like come on down <laughs> to the garden. There, there's something going on there. And not only did I run into like a number of like old bosses and friends from college, like people I didn't know were into fish were at this show, but I had the best time ever. And I was like, it it was that live experience. I didn't know a single song. I was like, is it going to play Push On Till the Day? I'm like, you dumb idiot. No, they're not. Wow. And so that was kind of, that was my first exposure. And then uh, they asked if I wanted to go back the next night. And I said, nah, I think I get it. Like, I'm good. And it wow. took me a couple of years. Like, I would say I didn't become a fan. I went to a couple shows here and there just to hang out. But I didn't click until uh, David Bowie Halloween when I yeah. went to all four nights. And after that, I was like, Oh, I get it now. I okay. Now I'm on the website. Yeah. I'm putting in my show dates. Like, so that, that was my tale. Coincidentally, it was our first show together. Correct. That's where Gabby and I became friends. We worked together for a while, but we became like oh, good friends it. when got we both it, realized we were into Okay, fish. I love that. It really is like its own little weird subculture, isn't it? Like, it's like fucking Dungeons and Dragons or something. <laughs> I mean, totally. Yeah, it really, kind of dor- it really is kind of dorky, yeah. you know, but like it's this perfect, to me, it's this perfect mixture of like sense of humor. Um, the fact that every show is different, like keeps you guessing, you know, and then the, the improvising and like how these are just truly four of the most talented musicians on their own. And then you put them together and they have this mind meld thing going on it really is just th- this perfect combination of cool shit that like it just hooks you yeah and i think it's that combination of like high low like i've always loved that totally. kind of mix and you know I, I i love a lot of their newer stuff and i you know the more kind of mature lyrics and that kind of thing but there's something really incredible about some of the most like technically gifted musicians you've ever heard yeah, singing about a music totally. like that, that totally. juxtaposition. Yeah. And the, the sh- go ahead, go ahead. And it, it, oh, I was going to say it draws in a very specific yes, kind of weirdo who can kind of wrap their yes. head around all of those different yes. elements and be like, this makes no sense. I get it. You know, like I love that's, it. <laughs> I, yeah. Right. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to follow this shit around. So, so like, when did you start going like, 
after fish? Like when, when did you start like doing multiple shows or like getting into like the, the real. So there was, there were a couple years where I would definitely see them every time they were in Chicago. But then like probably sometime in high school, like maybe junior year, one summer, I, I like did a little tour where I did like some, some friends and I, we did like, Alpine and then Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, then Chicago, then uh, Deer Creek in Indiana and then Ohio. And so we did this like little Midwest tour where we were following, following them around. And that was when it was really like, oh, I'm really getting into this and like getting into the culture of it and camping and all that stuff. And yeah, you know, one mistake, just to go back a little bit, one mistake that I've realized in my older age now there have probably been five different girlfriends that I've dated that I tried to get them into fish and it just didn't work. <laughs> and I've like would take the relationship well, or the fish thing. Both, but like, I, <laughs> and are they connected? They very, looking back on it, they very well might be. Yes, they very well might have been. But like trying to like like bringing them to shows and being like trying to explain all this nerdy shit, and they it's just like they're not interested in this. This is this clearly doesn't connect <laughs> to them. And why am I trying to force this on some poor soul? <laughs> It's it's very much the meme of like the guy yes, yelling in the girl's yes, ear. Totally. Okay, <laughs> this song is called yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> this was this was part of Trey's totally. senior year thesis. It's part totally. of a larger so there's game universe, heads, right? Okay, well, <laughs> right, let me step well first back. of all, <laughs> Trey's mom was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, it is alienating if, if if you bring someone to it who like, I mean, like even an open yes. mind, it's overwhelming. And I think like, have, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever brought someone who hated it and was like, this sucks, yes. we're leaving it set break. What do you yes. mean there's two sets? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I've definitely had that experience. <laughs> I've brought my parents to, uh, to a show. Oh, so um, how did they, they like actually it? liked it. You know, they, um our children of the sixties. And so I think they looked around and were like, Oh, this is very much in step with, you know, Woodstock and the hippies and all this shit. I do remember a very funny, <laughs> we, we can say whatever in this podcast, right? So, so one show I went, brought my parents, this was at Alpine Valley and my best friend, Mitch, who I met on the first day of college and we bonded over fish and Mitch and I took mushrooms. And so <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first set, like, you know, a couple songs in, all of a sudden, like, the, it kicks in and we're, like, tripping our balls off. And, and we're dancing and my parents are there and we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden it's set break. And I remember my <laughs> – I started having a conversation with my dad and he, like, puts my his arm around me. He's like, so what do you – what are you thinking for the future? And he like asked me like, <laughs> oh, he asked me, like what my, no. what my plans are. Like, where, where are you going to go to college? And like, what? <laughs> Was he intentionally wow. fucking he with just, you? I think in there, cause they knew that we were taking mushrooms, but I think in their mind, it was just like, Oh, they're like drinking a Red Bull, you know, like, like Chris and Mitch are doing mm-hmm. mushrooms. Yeah. It's not. It's not like the sick. 
<laughs> yes, it's not like yeah, the 60s exactly. mushrooms. <laughs> and, but I remember at one point my dad was talking to me and I just looked out. Alpine is so beautiful with, you know, like the, all these trees and shit. And I looked out and I remember I said, hold on a second, dad. The, I just realized that all these trees look like broccoli. And <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His question. How did your parents feel about you going on tour? They at were such cool. A young they age? were supportive of it, and you know, I think um, they saw that this was something that really interested me, and they were always supportive of me going to concerts and stuff. And now, but this was like the you know, this was the late nineties, early two thousands when it wasn't like shit wasn't as, it, it was kind of more lax back then. I feel like, you know, like I would have parties in high school with like kegs and now I feel like parents would get like thrown in jail. For that, you know? uh, so they were supportive. Oh, it's, there's no yeah, fun truly. to be in high school anymore. Um, so yeah, no, they were cool with it. Um, but yeah, I have so many great memories of like camping and like, you know, I think there's also something to be said about like after the show, like walking around the parking lot and like Shakedown Street. And it's the perfect canvas to like walk around and be a smart ass and say funny things and meet people. And, you know, it, it's very much uh, this whole experience, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would, would you credit that with like kind of where you started, like, you know, honing the idea that like you could be. A funny yeah, person. I think so. I think like Fish is a, also Fish is a really funny band. They do like there's so much funny shit in their history, and I think seeing that and and the fact that they kind of don't take things seriously and everything like nothing makes sense. But they're like like you said they're sell, they're singing this big anthem about a meat stick. Like I think that that <laughs> did play a part in like shaping my my sense of humor and then going to these concerts. And, um, I think funny is very like welcomed in this, in this community. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I think it did play a part. So professionally, how did that kind of progress? Like how did you decide you were going to go into comedy? How did that look? What did that look like? Um, how did you get to where you are? So now? I actually started my career in show business as a birthday party magician. And, uh, as a young teenager, I did. I had a whole act, and we, and me and my friend from the neighborhood, would perform at like little kids' birthday parties, doing this whole magic act. <laughs> and um, these two stoners yeah, yeah. rolling in, just with like a, a really bag was. of tricks, just you know, yeah. smelling like weed, performing for the eighth graders in a cape. And so I actually, for a while, thought I was going to be a magician, but then. My dad took me to see a show at the Second City Comedy Theater in Chicago when I was like 14 and seeing that show, Mm -hmm. the show mixed with like in the the lobby, they have all these pictures hanging on the walls of all the famous alumni, you know, so I saw like Bill Murray and Chris Farley and John Belushi. And so that night, like really changed my life because it was such a cool experience that I was like, Oh, this is what I really want to do. So then I signed up for improv classes, um, like the next day and my dad would drive me into the city, uh, to take classes. So that's kind of how it all started. 
So you have a really interesting story about the convergence of improv and fish that I would love to hear kind of detailed. I do. So, um, so, okay. Yes. So cut to me. I'm like working at second city, like on stage as like a, you know, performer. And so I'm like living my dream. And one night, um, like, uh, so I actually, it was, there's two stages at second city. And so, I got a text one night and I had the night off and it was the, my friend who was performing on the main stage and they said, you're never going to believe it, but Mike Gordon is in the audience right now. And, and they were like, get your ass over here. So I lived a couple blocks <laughs> down the street. So I like go to the theater and sure enough, there's Gordo sitting in the audience and, um, <laughs> they were, they were in town playing at, at Northerly Island that weekend and they just like had the night off. So so we after the after the two act show there's like an intermission and then there's a third act which is like the, they call it the improv set and it's like just improv and it's kind of like the actors are just goofing around and it's it's more loose. So anyway, we invite Mike backstage and you can tell he really um appreciates this the second city is like a really cool place and he appreciates it so he comes backstage and we get to meet him and shoot the shit and we ask if he would be interested in joining coming on stage for the improv set and like telling stories about being a rock star and then we'll like improvise scenes based on his stories and so he's like totally into it so um and i'm also like a guest now i'm like you know, a special guest sitting in on the improv set. So Mike tells these great stories and we like improvise and he is like having a total fucking blast. And you can tell he's really into this, the improv of it, you know, because I think he's like, Oh, this is what we do with our instruments on stage. But now you guys, these people are doing it with comedy and you could just tell he was very like into it. So, then we like hang out afterwards and I'm like, you got to come back tomorrow night. And he's like, dude, what if I brought uh, some of the band back tomorrow night? And we're like, yes. <laughs> and so all of a sudden it's the next night he comes with, um, I think it was after their show maybe, but he comes with Fishman and then um, Dan, do you know who Dan Cantor is? Yeah. Oh, is he really? Okay, great. So so Dan um, is the guitar player for Justin Bieber and a huge Fish fan. So they come and we like (laughs) gather up instruments for them. And this time we're doing the improv set with them playing music, like underscoring our improv scenes. And so Fishman's Fishman's on this little drum kit. And, and Dan Cantor's up there with an electric guitar and Mike had a, maybe even like an acoustic bass. I forget, but and so all of a sudden, like half of fish is up there and we're doing this whole really cool collaborative thing where we're doing comedy scenes and they're underscoring it and, and like they're influencing the scene and we're influencing the music. And it's like this whole fucking cool improv celebration. And so it was just like dream come true. Like I couldn't fucking believe it. Well, then Mike is like, Hey, why don't you guys come to sound check tomorrow and we'll hang out and we'll give you a tour of backstage and this, you know, their rig set up and everything. So cut to the next day we're at sound check. 
I get to stand in an empty like fucking stadium and listen to soundcheck and request songs. Like I'm standing there front row. I remember I was crying at one point. It was so like emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Good reason. Uh, they play, what do they play? They play burn that bridge. There's, do you know the song burn that bridge? It's, I think it's a Trey song, but, um, they don't play it that much. And I was like, I would love to hear that. So they play that. So anyway, then they're like, mm-hmm. we're on stage. Awesome. Trey's like walking us through his rig. We're taking pictures. We're hanging out. Um, uh, I, I found that Paige was very like standoffish and shy and was just like, hi, nice to meet you. Fishman was like talking our ear off, mm-hmm. like giving us, giving us history <laughs> lessons. Like at one point he was talking about Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan and all this shit. Trey couldn't have been nicer and more you know, personable. Mike is like his own weird thing, you know, but he's like really into it. And so then my best friend, Mitch, who I mentioned earlier, he was like, you guys should do something like you guys should collaborate here, like at the concert somehow. And then Mitch was like, you know, you guys haven't played Harpua in a long time. What if you, we did some kind of weird thing with Harpua where like I get up on stage with the group, with the second city troop and we like tell them that they're doing Harpua wrong and they've been doing it. They've been doing it wrong for 10 years. And then we improvise the correct way. (laughs) That takes incredible confidence to suggest something like that. Yeah, Dude. that is a shot to And so shoot. then cut My to goodness. all of a sudden they're like, yes, we're doing it. And Trey's like, this is a great idea. We even taught them this <laughs> – this um, in improv, we follow this rule called yes and where when you're doing a, an improv scene, you say yes to whatever the person you know like initiates and then you say and and add on to it. And I explained that to mm-hmm. Trey and he was like, that's exactly what we do. Like that's exactly like Mike will start a riff and I say yes to it and then I add on to it. And like so it was just like this really cool convergence of – and we – there's this great Second City coffee table book and we brought them to them as a gift and they you know, were like, oh my god, and looking through the book. And so then cut to the concert is, go, is happening and all of a sudden a thunderstorm starts and we're getting downpoured on to the point where they have to like take a break. From from playing. Mm-hmm. Uh. So at one point I go backstage. Oh, this was the other cool thing. We had backstage passes. So throughout the concert, we could just go backstage whenever we wanted and like uh. and like grab yeah, a LaCroix and just like hang out and then go back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at one point it's like getting rain. It's like a rain delay and we go backstage and I'm kind of like, maybe we're not going to like do this anymore. And all of a sudden Trey comes in and he's all jacked up and he's like, all right, we just heard about the weather. It's going to stop raining and we're still fucking doing it. Like, (laughs) 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 and so, okay. Cut to the moment where they start playing Harpua and we had this whole thing planned where I have this poster that says poster nutbag the right way. And we have this whole, thing planned out where Trey is going to be like, all right, what's this guy? What's your deal, man? And he's like, oh, you think you know how to do Harpua better than us? Well, why don't you come up on stage then and show us? And so (laughs) I'll never forget, like, we're having this little back and forth from the audience. And he's like, well, then why don't you come up here? 
So I climb up on stage. They like this, the security guard like helps me up there. Me and and the, uh, this other woman from second city. And I remember I stood up on stage and all of a sudden I turn around and there's like 40,000 people staring at me. And I'll never forget. I'm like, Oh shit. I'm in too deep. (laughs) 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 It's this this is, (laughs) and so then it was a, it was kind of a fucking disaster. Like we start, like we start improvising (laughs) something and I'm talking into the microphone. And I remember Trey's kind of looking at me like, all right, man, like, let's go. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, I invite my friends up and then the whole second city group is on stage. Mind you, none of these people are fish fans except for like two of us. (laughs) And so we like start doing like essentially a bad improv scene on stage in front of 40,000 people. And at one point, like it's not going great. And then the audience like starts booing, like boo. (laughs) And I'm like, oh no, Uh like this like I think what Mike saw at second city was like, that was us in our element, you know, like in a comedy theater Mm -hmm. and we're like firing on all cylinders and it's like going really well. Well, it didn't like totally translate to a concert stage, you know? (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and so then all of a sudden we like get shuffled off stage and then Mike kind of jumped in and saved the day and like told this whole Harpua story and and then like you know everybody was cheering and it was, <laughs> but yeah. oh man I I I, oh, I I will say a friend of mine was at that show a friend of ours actually was at that show it was his oh, first really? Harpua uh, and for years before we ever knew you uh, <laughs> he would always say I've only seen Harpua once and it was the shittiest Harpua they've ever done. I want to personally apologize to your friend. Uh, but I did get this, I did get this picture out of it, which is so great. Yeah. Me on stage with, yeah. That's so killer. it was all worth it just for this photo. Um, yeah. Dude. And just the, the experience. I mean, I'll have that story forever. It didn't, it didn't go exactly how we imagined it, but still it was like the fucking coolest moment of my life. I have to imagine that's tough too to like spring a comedy routine on an audience that at most is like <laughs> noticing that the trees look like broccoli. Exactly. <laughs> at right. best. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. The nuances yeah, maybe wasted completely. on that. And looking back on it, it was like, oh yeah, we like definitely bit off more than we could chew. And like, we were definitely in over our heads and like the way we imagined it going versus how it actually went were two totally different things. <laughs> But still, I mean, <laughs> I mean that that I feel like that's that's a pretty oh, yeah. common improv, or at least like anytime I've tried to do anything on stage, there's kind of what I imagine is going to happen, exactly. and then what actually happens, and like you just sound like you did it on steroids <laughs> in front of we forty thousand. A shitty like, improv show in front of forty thousand people. Exactly. Yes. Yes. My God, <laughs> and it, one of the greatest improv troops. <laughs> in the country, in the world, really. Right. Like you, you guys are not used For to sure. To it's just, we I were imagine. so out of our element and like, it had just rained, you know, I think I also might've taken a couple puffs of a joint and was kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just, it was everything combined created this perfect storm of a shit show. But, um, 
still, man, it was so, it was really cool. Um, so what was it like, like, like hanging out with the band backstage? How does that compare to, uh, so then after that, we all went out, um, to a bar, actually just Mike and Fishman. And, um, and then since then I, uh, went to, I saw them in Vegas a couple years ago. Um, was it for Halloween? Maybe it was Halloween. And I got to go backstage and hang out and it's very chill. Like they're all like, they meditate, like. I, I remember having dinner with the band before the show and then Trey was like, all right, I'm going to go meditate. And he like goes and does TM. Uh, we were, I was in Mike's dressing room, like helping him pick out his outfit. He's like, should I wear this shirt with, with kitty cats on it? I remember. <laughs> Do I wear the Barbados yeah, 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 shirt yeah, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. Barbados shirt? What Nike high tops should I wear? Yeah. <laughs> but they're all very chill. Like, uh, like I described it, like Trey couldn't be fucking cooler. Fishman like talked my ear off. Um, Paige was kind of shy and Mike is kind of a weirdo, but like in a great way. <laughs> Just curious. I've, I've heard that, uh, fish keeps a dry backstage now. So like, there's no alcohol back there. There's no drugs. There's, there's like no partying happening was that your experience or is it like a thing that kind of happens on the side? And no, that like, was very much the experience. In fact, my friend, um, at one point we got to, wa- in Vegas, we got to watch the show from like this super front row area where you're kind of like where the security guards are standing. And my friend had a, I remember had a beer at one point and somebody came up and was like, you can't have that even like in this area. And so they were like very, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Another real quick, story. Um, so I quit drinking, um, eight years ago and Trey was like actually a big influence in that for me. Um, when I saw him get sober and, and so anyway, this last summer I saw them at Alpine and I looked over at one point and I saw Trey's dad. Um, this was before the show and he was like walking to his seat (laughs) And, um, I recognized him from that documentary and, you know, just from photos. So I went over to him and said, Hey, Mr. Anastasio, uh, I just wanted to introduce myself and say that, um, I thought you were great on that documentary. It really reminded me of my relationship with my dad. And I also want to tell you that your son inspired me to, to quit drinking. And, um, he kind of like, teared up and was like, that's really great to hear. And he said, you know, Trey just hit 15 years of sobriety and I couldn't be prouder of him. And we had this really cool moment. And, uh, and then I told him, you know, I actually did this thing with them in Chicago and, and he said, Oh, I'm sure he'll remember you. I'll be sure to say hi. And it was, it was cool. Yeah. 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 So this is something we've we've touched on a little bit in these in these conversations. How does you know a sober show compare to you know a a very sponge show? Like, what do you like one more than the other? Yeah, what I actually find it like? to be more enjoyable sober. Um, I think that I mean I certainly had a lot of fun at fish shows on drugs in the past, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually am. I'm still, um, not against, you know, psychedelics. Like I, am I'm, I'm still a fan of mushrooms and, and Molly and, uh, I, I look at them more as a medicine, you know, or kind of a, 
I mean, I've had some of the most cathartic moments, spiritual moments of my life on psychedelics, you know? So, um, but I, I do find that when you're at a show for me at a show sober now, I really kind of appreciate it more. And you, you really kind of, um, are just in a clearer mindset to really appreciate how fucking talented those guys are, you know? So, um, I've certainly had great experiences both ways, but especially now that I'm a little older, I think it's to be sober at a show, you appreciate it on a different level. So that's, that's actually, I've told James about this, but that's a story I've always wanted to report out, which is looking at kind of how the music and, and drugs like affect your brain patterns. Um, because you know, the, the, like the idea of Frizzan or I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but like, you know, that feeling when you get the chills, when you're listening to music, like the pleasure centers that it activates in your brain is very similar to like doing heroin and you can see it on an MRI. And so like, I would love to see someone's brain like on mushrooms, listening to fish and just seeing those spikes. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to the Tahoe tweezer. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Wow. It's sober's fun too. I mean, I really yeah. I think, you know, I'm thankful that I had the years that I partied hard and like did it cuz like that was very Same. much it was very freeing. Like it it gives you this sense of like I, you know, I'm part of this thing and I'm in it totally. and it just uh, you know, you it, it I think it's hard to get there the first time. And then once you know what there is, I think it gets really easy to just be like, you know what? I'm going to smoke a joint or something and just kind of like bop around. And then I'm going to, you know, take it easy. Cause like, I'm here for the music and I'm here for my friends now. Like it's not really about getting fucked up anymore. And so, you know, yeah, for, for the right oh. show, it's great, but I don't think you need it to enjoy. For it. sure. I kind of wish that more fish fans, and this is, I, I don't mean to sound preachy, but like, I wish that more fish fans would look at Trey and be like, oh, here's a guy who was going down the wrong path and then got his shit together. And right. now look at him. Like, he's fucking killing it, killing it. Like, he's healthy. He looks great. He's doing what he loves. He, you know, <laughs> and like, um, even at that tab show that we went to in LA, like, I was looking around at one point. And there's so many people just with these fucking giant tall boys in their hands and they just look all fucked up. And it's like, oh, man, like I wish to me, alcohol and cigarettes and that shit is just so like, oh, like there's better stuff. You (laughs) You can can be having a better time and feel better tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my little soapbox thing. But like. Yeah, dude, when I, I will sometimes look at pictures of Trey when he was like at his worst and he's like just overweight and the fucking beard's all gross and he looks like shit mm-hmm. compared to now. It's like, oh, this guy like turned it around. Like it's really, it's really cool. I think. Yeah. And we got number line out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on that note, I guess, and you know, feel free to get his personal or, you know, bat this one away. But like, I think. You know, it's, it sounds like you also kind of got to a point where you were like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I think you said it was about eight years ago. Congratulations, obviously. But um, I feel like your career also has been on a rocket ship since then. Do you feel like were these things interconnected where you kind of I mean, you've, you've always had a great career. You've done cool stuff well before that. But like when when you were able to kind of finally put it down, did things get 
better or different? Or was it harder? I mean, I imagine those first couple of years when that's all you were doing before, like just as much as you feel comfortable sharing, like what was that kind of transition process? And then what did that mean for the work you were doing? Yes. Well, thank you, first of all, for saying that. And all of the above, like it, um, my life has improved greatly since making that decision. And, you know, for me, it was, um, I was kind of going down the Chris Farley path a little bit, you know, like I was performing at second city and not, not the heroin. No, no, but like it, the, you know, perform being at second city for many years in Chicago, like the bars are open until four in the morning in Chicago, mm-hmm. five on Saturdays, you know? And so for my life for many years was like, do a comedy show, go out and get fucked up until the sun comes up. And, you know, you're kind of like a local celebrity and people are buying you drinks. And I used to, I used to say like, we, I, I would often look at it as like, we're going out to either celebrate a great show or mourn a bad show. <laughs> and either way, we're getting totally fucking fucked up. <laughs> and, and that was like, you know, I, I started drinking when I was in, you know, a teenager. And so I like, it was, I was getting like fucked up blackout drunk for like a lot, like 10 years straight, like every yeah. weekend, you know, <laughs> like, hitting it, hitting it hard. Yeah. And so I finally got to the point where I was like, Oh, this, I I did have a realization. Um, actually while I was on mushrooms one time where I was like, if I stay on this path, I'm going to like sabotage my life, you know, and looking at people like Chris Farley and John Belushi and like, Oh, they just stayed on that path Mm -hmm. and look at how it ended. (laughs) And then looking at someone like Trey who, was on that path, was on the kind of Jerry Garcia Mm -hmm. path. And then like, he was able to somehow turn it around. And I was like, Oh, that's really the better way to do this because otherwise, like, what am I going to do? Just keep getting fucked up into my thirties and forties and like be the guy sitting at the bar without a wife and kids and whatever, you know? (laughs) Like, so, so yeah, I was, I made a decision where I was like, I have to stop this. And it wasn't just like slow down. It was like, I have to like cut this out completely. And, um, looking back on it, besides quitting smoking cigarettes, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. (laughs) I buy that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com, that's distrokid with a capital K, 
patreon.com slash VIP slash undermine for a special offer only for our listeners. That's distrokid, capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine. Thanks, distrokid. Um, but yeah, man, now tr- did you see Trey's like opening a rehab center oh, and I stuff? I love yeah. what he's cool. doing. I mean, yeah. and, you know, the fact that, you know. Bad Sky Foundation. Yeah, the fact that he says yeah. be safe every night. You know, like there, I, I think he recognizes that like there is a time and a place, but it's very easy for that stuff to get pretty heavy pretty quick. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like every year I hear about a fish fan who goes down, you know, or and it sucks. Yes. It's It's just such a shitty like. This it's almost like a, a professional hazard of being a fish fan that like you're going to know someone who overdoses at some point. And that's just such totally. a bummer. And I know that Trey doesn't like that being the thing, because when people don't know about fish, they assume all we're doing is getting as fucked up as we could possibly get. And I think totally. Trey probably totally. fucking hates that and would love it if like he could actually be the guy to pull a bunch of people out of that world. I completely agree. I think you're right about that. And, you know, speaking of like famous fish fans, there was this guy, Harris Whittles. I don't know if you know who he was, but like really funny comedy dude who I, I only met him a couple times, but like really wickedly funny, smart comedy writer and huge fish fan. Like he even did a podcast where he was the, the whole podcast was trying to convince his buddy to become a fish fan. <laughs> Analyze fish. Um, but yeah, man. Rather yes, unsuccessfully. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, like that shit just he he clearly had a hard time kicking it and it caught up with him and fucking huge loss, huge. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought um evening song is kind of like Trey saying what you guys are basically saying right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I think and I I have to go back and listen I, th- I to that. think he's, yeah, he's, he's talking about it much more kind of, I mean, all the beacon shows where he was raising money for the divided sky foundation. Like he's, he's of all the rock stars who went one way and then went the other. Like there are a lot of rock stars who don't drink or party anymore. Like there that's, that's a pretty standard thing if you want to keep doing it for a long time, but he yeah. talks about yeah. it and he allows other people to talk about it. And he's, it's the same way that we're talking about hallucinogens without it being like, Oh my God, you guys do drugs. It's like, no, like you could, it's okay to talk about it, but it's not okay if you're addicted to it, if it's taking over your life, if it's ruining your life. And if that's the case, you got to talk about it more. You got to go get help for that shit. Otherwise it gets really dark really quick. And you know, I'm I'm glad he's normalizing the idea that like you could talk about this stuff, but if you need help, there's a place you can go, you know, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I agree. Even in that documentary too, I think you get a couple glimpses of like, you know, he, he's pretty honest about like his relationship with his dad and how his dad was like pretty hard on him growing up. And I know his parents got divorced and stuff. And like this shit comes from somewhere, like it comes from childhood trauma a lot. And like, you know, (laughs) the, the drugs and alcohol are just the, the symptom. It's just the thing you're, you're using to cover up deeper pain, you know? And yeah. yeah, totally. I remember yeah. in the doc, there was that kind of like, he was still, even as an adult being like, I'm doing good, right? Like you approve. I'm good. Totally. Yeah. That, that shit never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> there was also, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. pull it out of like bummer mode for 
for now. Uh, there was a there was there was a, <laughs> no yes. no we want to stay here. <laughs> uh, there was a there was a moment in the dock uh, that actually kind of inspired this whole podcast. Uh, at least in my my eyes, uh, it, was, it was really Gabby's idea, but it, this was how it all kind of came together. Where Trey's sitting with his dad, and his dad basically says to him like. I would have been a bad father if I was thinking that you were going to be okay in the earliest days of fish. When you were playing in front or pre-fish, like proto-fish, you were doing weird shit in front of empty rooms. <laughs> and I would have been a negligent father had I been, you know, yeah, drop out of college, go totally. on tour, you'll be fine. <laughs> and like, I mean, you've mentioned it, like, it sounds like you also had like pretty supportive parents, but I feel like being a supportive parent still comes with a concern that the path that the child is going down is maybe a dangerous one, right? Like, and I, I feel like you walk that path, like, how were your parents as you were kind of moving through your own, like, I'm a micro celebrity here in Chicago, but I'm getting fucked up every night. And like, this could be great or this could kill me. Totally. I think they were probably fucking freaked out looking back on it, like supportive, but freaked out. And yeah, I mean, no parent is like, Oh, I want my kid to be an improv comedian. <laughs> no, that's a negligent parent. That's, <laughs> that, that's where the money is. That's where the stability is. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I, I am able now to give my parents a lot more um, credit and empathy and, and realize that like, oh, yeah, I was choosing this kind of very um, unorthodox life and they were supportive. Like I give them credit. They were supportive throughout, but like they had to have been fucking freaked. And I think my mom especially would see me and be like, Oh, you know, this isn't, she would say, you get this look in your eyes when you get drunk. I remember she would say, and she's like, it, it freaks, it worries mm-hmm. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, my mom actually, when I quit drinking, she also quit not because she needed to, but just out of solidarity to like support oh, me. And yeah, that was, yeah, that, that was Damn. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. And uh, it's, it's it, you've yeah. been killing it ever since. I mean, your 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 resume is fucking nutso in terms of like cool shows that, you know, you've been in or been involved in. Like, it, I feel like once you have that clarity to be able to like kind of focus on the thing that you're really good at, like probably gets a lot easier to show up and do the audition and fucking nail it, right? Totally does. Yes. When that, like, you know, my dream was always to work at second city. So I like achieved my dream when I was like in my early twenties. So now it's all just like icing on the cake, but like to be, to, to move to this fucking town to Los Angeles and like start over, um, in this very weird career, you know, (laughs) like doesn't make any sense. And like, there isn't like a clear path to follow. Um, and you'll just go to an audition and work your ass off and then just not hear anything. (laughs) Like it's, it's a very strange profession. And so I think about if I was doing this and was still on that path of getting fucked up, it like never would have worked. Um, yeah. So, so I, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, while we're on the topic of celebrity, um, did your experience at fish shows change after getting on stage with them? Did people start to recognize you? Kind of how did, what did that look like post 40,000 eyes on you? Yeah, a little bit, you know, uh, (laughs) every once in a while, somebody will be like, you were the guy from Harpua. But I've been in enough stuff, you know, shows that I think fish fans also appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on that show Love on Netflix and I feel like that had kind of, there were a lot of fish kids who liked that show. And then I'm on this show, The Bear, and I know that that's like a kind of a popular show within this world or whatever. So um, I get recognized from that stuff uh, more at at shows. Um, And it's always just fun just to like, um, have a little moment with somebody at a show, you know, and, and say hi and chit chat a little bit. Are, are you yeah, friendly it's, it's or cool. do you like, I, I, that to me feels like, um, especially like if you're on mushrooms or something like, like, do you, have you ever had people come up to you and you're just like, <laughs> my guy, just please do not, I can't take a picture right now. Look at my eyes, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit, but I'm certainly not at any kind of level of celebrity where it's like, you know, people are never like going nuts, like freaking out. So I'm, I've been told actually that <laughs> I've been told by ex-girlfriends that I'm too friendly, <laughs> that I act like a fucking, that I act like a mayor of a small town, you know, I'm like, well, where are you from? Oh, cool. <laughs> Let's call your mom. Yeah, yeah, Does she yeah. have FaceTime? Yeah. But th- that's just from being a people person, you know, and I still, w- it, whenever I get recognized, I still am like, oh my God, somebody recognizes me. <laughs> like, I, I'm still, I'm still like at my heart, I'm still this dork from the Midwest, you know? So it's like, uh, I, I'm never like telling people, get the camera away. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm on my personal time now. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting that that the guys kind of saw that immediate um, like parallel between improv and what they're doing, but improv people that you've brought don't necessarily see it the same way. Yeah, I know, right? You know, when I explained the the whole yes and concept to Trey, um, along with my Second City, like you know, uh, fellow performers, I remember he like really lit up, and he was like, yes. That's exactly and? what we're doing. Yeah, yes, and. And I've actually even heard him talk about it a couple of times on podcasts. Um, Your and influence. So I know. So even though that, that's what I uh, tell myself is even though that Harpua was kind of a shit show, I was able to tell them about that kind of improv rule. And Trey still obviously like thinks about it. Uh, and so – that, that means a That's lot to awesome. me. Yeah. So every good jam post then, we have you to thank. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Trey, isn't Trey – there's something about Trey. Like you know that – I know there's like those stickers that's like Trey is a Jedi or whatever. But there, he really, there really is something spiritual about that guy that he is like a conduit for some kind of something. I have yeah, I have man. so I many know. theories as to what that is and where that comes from that I'm I'm in no place to get into. But like, I <laughs> yes is the short answer. Like, I think he's a very um, spiritually grounded person who like like the meditation stuff, yes. right? Like, if you meditate that much yes. and you do it every day, like you develop this like weird inner calm that I think 
you know, we used to put like Jesus in that, that spiritual hole or, or God or whatever. And like, yes, I think what he's always been able to do is like, he's given us this idea that like you could fill that hole with yourself. If you do what you love and you live in the moment, you're surrounded by people that you love. And like, it's that, you know, it's all those hippie dippy lyric songs that a lot of the fans don't like, but you know, something like, you know, drift while you're sleeping to me, like love will carry us through. Like that, that's a spiritual message. You might as well be at church singing a hymn or something, you know, like he's tapping into something way bigger. Oh, when they played that at Alpine and I was front row, I, if you would have looked at me, you would have seen that I was sobbing while they were playing. (laughs) Right. And why? It's just (laughs) a song. song. Is it, is it on the live stream? (laughs) Yeah, it might be. Um, No, you're right. I I recently reread The Power of Now, you know, and, and I was reading it like right around the time when I went to that Alpine show and, um, I, it really hit me like, oh, he is very much in the moment, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. He's a guy who lives in the now and even sings about it in some songs and stuff. And like that, I think is really something that is also in this, what you're, what you're describing. Yeah. 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 I think also like the experience of being an audience member, like James was saying, it's, it, it is very similar to like, you know, being in like a revival church kind of thing. Um, and I've talked about this before, but you know, the idea of like collective effervescence where you are, part of this thing that's bigger than yourself and you're all feeling it at the same time. Um, but also like that, I don't know, I think people, one of the big draws of psychedelics, right. Is that experience of ego death and like stepping outside of yourself. And, and even if you're dead sober in a crowd like that with the lights and the music, like, I think you do become part of something bigger. Like you're not, whatever you're worrying about, whatever's going on in your life is like put on hold while you participate in this bigger thing. And that could be with, you know, meaningful lyrics. And that could also be to like possum when all the lights come on and everyone's cheering, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Very much this feeling of we're all in this together. Like best. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. sprinkled throughout. Yeah. That's it, one of the things that blows my mind is that like to the, to the outsider, it sounds mostly like nonsense. Right. Like the the lyrics sound ridiculous and they are. And that's cool. And we like that. But I think there are these kind of there are these signals in there that if you actually want to listen more and you want to get into it and you want to kind of search for whatever the greater meaning is, they're not going to tell you what the greater meaning is. That's on you to figure out what that is. But like they're putting all the right little clues all along the path for you to be like, oh, you know what? I should meditate more. I should just like wash myself away, you know? That's fucking cool. What other band does that? Yes. James has like a 20 page Google oh, doc that breaks down all of this. Send it. Send it to you. Send it. Yeah. 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 We got to create like a Patreon. If you donate $10,000, yeah. you can get to the, the actual helping friendly book that I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say I had a moment at the, at that show this summer. So, you know, as I've gotten older, I like haven't gone to as many shows and, and with, which with couch tour that I think is so great. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so much easier to like just stream from your house. But I did have this moment 
this summer where I was like, Oh, I was at the show and like front row, you know, we like went in early and did the whole thing. And it hit me like, Oh, this, I have to come to this more. Like this is my church. This is my like reset. This is my like spiritual fucking talisman that like, I, I have to keep coming to this because it's been such a big part of my life. And it really is like this cleansing or something mm-hmm. that, that I, I, I think I'll keep going for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Despite what my current girlfriend <laughs> thinks about it. You know? <laughs> well, that was, that was James and my experience this summer. We were like, all right, we'll go to like these three shows. And I'm like, should we go to AC? Like, should we go to the next one? And just kept like, kept going on tour. Um, That's it, it's very addictive, I think. All right, we have um, a couple of really quick rapid fire questions that we're asking everyone, and then we'll let you go. All you. Um, okay. Do you prefer floor or seats? Um, for a fish concert, I prefer floor. For regular concerts nowadays, I prefer seats. <laughs> Getting old. And if you're on the floor, do you need to be real? Are you good anywhere? Um, I'm. I like. Uh, I prefer up close nowadays. Like if I'm going to do it, I might as well like really go for it, you know? And, um, Mm. the experience I had on the rail this summer was so great. And I had enough dancing space, you know, that I was like, Oh yeah, I should be up here every time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. Favorite song. Wow. That's hard. Um, Probably the lizards um, is is definitely like top three. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like waste just because like it has nice. a oh, what a you know. Yeah, I am. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from my like childhood, I'd probably say like down with disease just because it like has such a connection to my to being a little kid, being a middle schooler. That was my uh, that was my number one Spotify song last year and the year was before. It really? Every the whole pandemic, the whole pandemic, all I could think about was going back to my first show and them dropping disease, and it was as cathartic as I imagined it yes, to be. Yes, I love that. Ah, that's great. Wow. <laughs> all right. So, what is your bathroom or water song? Bathroom? What do you mean water song? Well, normally I'd say your beer song, but. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go, Oh, you got it. Got it. Got it. Um, probably like, (laughs) you know, this, a lot of this new shit, like you were saying is so cheese dick that I'm like, come on, Trey. Like (laughs) I think backwards down the number line is cheesy. I think, Mm. listen, no, you know what I think is really cheesy is, um, I think blaze on is cheesy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I could sign that one. Gabby will murder you if, if you don't like Number Line. And honestly, if you see Number, Number Line, Line is with my her, favorite song, her okay, joy right. makes it enjoyable. So, so Listen, hopefully we'll get it one. It is a song about loving your yes. friends and having know, fun with know, your friends. Know, what do you know, hate, know, fun and friends? Yep, nope. We know, we know. <laughs> James is like, if I have to hear you talk about this one more time, I'm quitting. Every episode. This is not in my contract. Every episode. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna cut a lot no, of this. Right? Hold on, not, I want the audience to like now, me. Now they're now they're flooding me. So I'm sorry about number line. Okay, I take it back. 
Um, I think <laughs> Wombat is so cheesy. I think, um, I think that uh, – what's the song they played at New Year's a couple of years where it's like, the, the wind is the music. And, oh, yeah. uh, and the ocean is yeah. love. Soul Sometimes planet. it's like, uh, yeah, Soul Planet. I'm soul like, planet. all right, Trey, we get the metaphors. <laughs> it's not a metaphor anymore. He's just like, yeah, 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 no, yeah. the wind is the music. He's just saying it yeah. straight out. <laughs> yeah. What are, you, what are your guys' bathroom songs? I don't think there is such thing as a bad fish song, oh, to be dead God. honest. I'm one of those who like, it, you know, a bathroom song for me is a song that I've heard recently. And so that could okay. be, I mean, I've gone to the bathroom for possum i've gone to the bathroom for antelope like i've gone to i'm not i'm out of cycle with people because i go to so many shows now that like i'm just like okay i yeah but like if if i james just goes when he wants to yeah i'm gonna go when i need (laughs) to yeah yeah, uh twist actually (laughs) twist is a song that i hear too often it's my most overplayed song and uh when that starts up there's there's a really good chance i'm gonna walk out i get that what about you gabby Mm -hmm. I could live without your pet cat. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Totally. Doesn't do much I know. for me. That's a that shit. A good ten minutes to take. When for Paige myself. is hitting the sound effects and stuff, I'm like, okay, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So, uh, we've kind of talked about this. So, pardon the repetition, but sober show or not, and. If you're not sober, what is your favorite uh, ingestant of choice? Um, yes. So um, my favorite, I, I always have more of a spiritual experience on mushrooms, but then I, I think I have more fun on Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and there's probably a tie between those two. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm I, I, more shows than not recently. I've been just totally sober, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite venue for me, it's Alpine Valley uh, in Wisconsin, just because there's so many memories attached to it, and it's such a great venue. Um, the mm-hmm. one where I haven't seen them yet, which I'm really bummed about, is the I've never been to the Gorge, and I really want to go to the Gorge. Um, I went to the Gorge for the first time in 2021, so last year, and it was does it magical. does it live I'm up obsessed. to the hype? It is wow. better, if possible. Um, because you, you know, as the show starts, the sun is setting and the stage is right in front of the river. And it's just like a gorgeous, like natural moment. And then, you know, you wake up the next morning and you just go down to the river and go swimming and it's all fish fans, like tubing and jet skiing. And it's, it's just like a wild scene, you know? And if you like, you know, walking around the lot after the show, like that is, Oh, I love it. I gotta go. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the thing that bummed me out about Jones Beach was they cleaned the lots out within like an hour of the show. Like the police were just pushing everyone out. Really? There was no kind of after show culture. The, the poor probably. Philadelphia Nitrous Mafia had to. <laughs> 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 they had to get right back on the LIE. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were back in Philly by yeah, like eleven thirty. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and then Page Side or Mike Side? I do like Page Side, Rage Side. I think that mm-hmm. that lives up to its name. It sure does. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I try to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we, you kind of said 
that you you kind of touched on this, but I feel like I should ask anyway. Um, have you ever seen anyone that you felt starstruck by at a show or any celebrities? Well, seeing Trey's dad was cool, and having that mo- having that mm-hmm. moment with him was really cool. Um, who who else have I seen? I'm trying to. I I, I don't know if I've ever seen any like buddy that that I recognize from film or TV or whatever. Um, I mean, obviously going backstage and hanging with the band, that was like the ultimate, like hanging out with Trey and like shooting the shit with him and talking about improv was like top of the list life highlight. Um, and he being really cool on top of that, you know, like they say, don't meet your heroes. Cause a lot of times they suck, you know, mm-hmm. but in this case he like exceeded expectations and couldn't have been more warm and cool and stuff. So yeah, that was, that was the best. Yeah. I think that goes back towards what you guys were saying before. Like he does have this very like pure, wholesome kind of spirit about him. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that yes. that's as true in real life as it is from the audience. He's also a fucking goofball. Like he's just always like joking around and giggling, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Um, James, do you have any other questions? No, this is so great, dude. You, you were an amazing guest. Where can we find you? Uh, I mean, obviously on Instagram and stuff, do you have any projects or anything you want to plug or obviously the bear on Hulu, which I just finished fucking awesome like i actually i only wanted to talk about that and i don't think we talked about it once so <laughs> i apologize but if, if you're not listening or if you are listening go check out the bear on hulu anything else uh, you want to get out there bear on hulu we're gonna start uh, that's yes just a really for me a, gr- a really fun project to be a, p- a small part of but um that show I didn't even realize that shit went, you know, I filmed it and was like, Oh, this seems cool. And then it came out and I was like, Oh, this is like a really good show. <laughs> uh, so we're going to, we're, <laughs> we're going to start um, filming season two of that. in uh, I think next month. And that's great oh, for yeah. me too. Cause I'm, cause I'm from Chicago. So I get to go back to Chicago for that, which is really special awesome. for me. Um, I'm developing a show right now that I'm excited about. Uh, I created a Netflix show called Chicago party ant. That's an animated show. And, um, the second like, uh, season of that is coming out in the coming months. Awesome. And, and that was based off a Twitter account. You just started. For yeah. Fun, yeah. Right? I won't get all into that, but yes, it's based on my actual, one of my actual ants. And then I started, <laughs> I started a Twitter account that was like, I would tweet as if I were her. And then it all of a sudden turned into a Netflix show. So, uh, Amazing. Your family sounds yeah, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's some stuff. And yeah, follow me on Instagram. Awesome. Whitow is my thing. W-I-T-O-W. Sick. Um, yeah, I got to I gotta thank the bear every time I'm in my kitchen. I'm screaming, hands, corner. <laughs> thank you, chef. Yeah. We chef, we chef. Thank this you was so really much. Thank you so much for coming. Is- and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. We've Got a Band is presented by Section 119 and Osiris Media. Created by Gabriel Bluestone and James Dell. Executive producers are Gabriel Bluestone, James Dell, RJB, and Matt Dwyer. Edited and produced by RJB and Matt Dwyer. Mixed and mastered by Matt Dwyer. Marketing by Nick Sejas and Eric Limarenko. Art by Mark Dowd. Thanks for tuning in.
Osiris. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and created the ultimate music obsessives podcast, Discograffiti. Each episode of Discograffiti features an eclectic and wide-ranging slew of cool musicians doing long-form deep-dive interviews in which we rate either their favorite band's output or their own from zero to five stars. From Mike Watt rating the Minutemen to Terry Kirkman from The Association, Bob Nastanovich on Pavement, Bob Forrest on The Band, Bob Mayer on The Replacements, and Lou Barlow on The Zombies, each new guest swings a hard left into an area you either had no idea you needed to know about or know all about and can't believe you're not alone out there. Coming up, here's who we've got on the program. The Lemon Twigs, Robert Schneider from The Apples in Stereo, the Dedrick siblings from The Free Design, Joel Selby on mother-murdering superstar drummer Jim Gordon and a record-breaking 20-hour interview with the great Michelle Phillips about the mamas and the papas. You're not going to want to miss it because there's nothing quite like it. Don't let your youth go to waste, lads and ladies. Discograffiti. Subscribe. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.